0: Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Vynamics' Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. Ryan, what headlines have you been following lately?
1: 23andMe has gotten into the telehealth world, and there are many reports and pretty finalized that they're in a position to buy Lemonade Health, which is a virtual care and pharmacy provider. And for those of you that may forgot have forgotten, 23andMe is one of a handful of DNA home tests, and 23andMe specifically looks at genetic risks for things like Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, I think celiac and some of the rare blood diseases, and and they've actually ventured into some of the oncology world and the BRCA genes. And that indicates an increased risk of developing certain types of cancer. And before I get into lemonade health, I think it's important to remember that, you know, we've done a lot of podcasts around genetic testing and kind of the advent of that. And just remember that genetic testing, when done properly, can really answer some familial pieces of the puzzle for, like I said, for cancer, along with another And other variety of diseases, it used to be costly. It used to be require real appointments, but you know, for ninety nine dollars or one hundred and twenty nine dollars, anyone can now buy a fairly inexpensive DNA testing kit online, and get some much needed answers. And so, you know, there's always that gap of what to do with those answers and how to how to feed it into your primary care provider. But now that 23 and Me went public and they are purchasing Lemonade Health, Lemonade is a fast-growing company out of San Francisco that launched about 10 years ago, and they offer patients direct online access to medical care, uh, from consultation to treatment, for a number of common conditions, and their medical services, I think, are licensed in all 50 states, which is a key differentiator. So really exciting to see what this partner brings to 23andMe's sustainable solutions into the future.
2: Yeah, Ryan, when I read the um, headline news about this, I actually had to pause for a second and try to fit together what 23andMe was trying to achieve with this. The light came on right when I read that, you know what they're really trying to do is push genomes and knowledge of the genome into primary care. So it'll be interesting to see how they bring this together what it looks like and whether they can actually pull it through, in at a level that they want to pull it through in. The other thing I think is interesting to note about twenty three andMe is they are, you know, outside of the interesting information that you receive when you do a do it, you know, a do it yourself kit um, or direct to consumer kit. They, I think, many people don't realize um, that twenty three andMe has actually gotten into the realm of drug development and identifying drug candidates on their own using the genomic information that they have gathered through the years that they've been offering these, you know, direct-to-consumer kits. So they have a bunch of things going on. This one in particular with Lemonade Health, there's gonna be some challenges, I think, in actually pulling it through, but I don't doubt that they've already thought through that before they went through with this acquisition. This really fits
0: into that wider trend that we've talked about throughout this year on the personalization of medicine. And it really feels like 23andMe has hitched their long-term success wagon to that trend. If you think about, they've probably saturated the market when it comes to in home testing. So they're diversifying their portfolio into helping drug manufacturers leverage that data to create more and more personalized medicines and primary care practices to be able to tap into that data in an actionable way.
2: There's so much to focus to on primary care. I mean, I will tell you, um, outside of what's going on with 23andMe, it was a busy week, right? CMMI, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation, actually published their strategic plan refresh. And while it's not really new in terms of what they're refreshing, I think what they're balancing or where they're focusing their efforts is a little bit different than what we've seen in years past. I mean, here we have this organization you know, that came out of the gates and was established through the Affordable Care Act. And they were really charged with trying to drive new and innovative solutions for addressing cost, care, and quality in the healthcare system. And so for years, they had many, many models out there. And um, I think you know, have stayed stable and focusing on what their strategic plan has been, which has really evolved or revolved around things like driving accountable care, advancing health equity, supporting innovation, addressing affordability, which is an age old problem, and then partnering to really achieve system transformation. I think what we're seeing with this refresh that came out is that the Biden administration is really wanting to focus more on value-based payment models in an effort to make them more equitable and streamlined so that there's a fostering of more participation from providers and patients over the next decade. I think that the the refresh also informs how models will be evaluated and crafted by the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation over the next year. And some key goals include judging the success of the models and not just whether they saved Medicare money, but also whether they improve health equity. And I think that's the key verbiage that is different this year than we've seen in years past. So you know, CMMI, I think what we should expect to see this year is that there are going to probably be more focused efforts on less models, but putting more emphasis into those models and really starting to see what those models can do beyond just trying to save money. Because we know that um, a lot of the models that have been rolled out by CMMI over the last decade have not been extremely successful. And so I think this is a just a pivot for CMMI in terms of how they think about these models going forward.
1: There's kind of two subjects here. There's the idea of CMMI and, and kind of the government getting involved in helping, and then this idea of focusing on primary care. You hit them both so well. If we think about it, you know, I think MacRa or the Medicare Access and Chip Reauthorization Act was enacted in 2015, which makes it about six years old. And since then, the idea of moving away from fee-for-service payment was really just part of the, the dreams of CMMI. And, and there probably wasn't as much ruthless focus on health equity. So, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about these alternative payment models and how they have been voluntary and complex. And some would claim that health systems were kind of cherry picking some of the areas that they did really well to get the maximum payment that they could do. And I think that this pivot, although some of the elements are not new, the focus is, and we're really, I'm really excited to see where CMI takes this. And, you know, on the other side of the, the fence is this idea of focusing on primary care. And you'd mentioned this we thought that there was supreme focus on primary primary care in the last decade, anywhere from CMI focusing more about primary care to kind of, you know, this, this incredible amount of private equity and acquisition world of, of primary care networks. We just saw that Goldman Sachs acquired MDVIP um, a few weeks ago, and that's like 1,100 physicians that served, you know, nearly half a million patients. I think it's 360,000 patients or something. So the world of primary care and the focus on health equity at the, at the federal level is just of high priority right now.
0: I think another area where we're seeing a rapid expansion of focus into primary care, albeit maybe in a different source, has to do with another story I know, Ryan, that you and I have been following quite closely about a recent announcement that Walmart and Transparent will be partnering up.
1: We can barely contain our excitement with all this news. It feels like every week there's something New happening in this crazy healthcare world. TransCarent is a, is a digital health company and they, and they help navigate members to high quality, low cost care with no premiums, no copays, or no bills from the patient. And they even aren't charging their employers for an upfront cost. It's a, it's a really interesting model. There's no per member per month fee. They enter into these risk based contracts and they take this pre negotiated cut. Of the employer's healthcare cost savings after the fact, and they have just announced that they're partnering with the behemoth Walmart, who has been getting into the healthcare ecosystem for seemingly decades. And you know, one of the things that you, Jen, Mindy, and I have talked about is you know the CEO of of Transcarent, Glenn Tolman. He founded Transcarent, and he comes from serving as the CEO of Allscripts, which is an EMR uh, firm, and also was the executive chairman of Lomongo Health, that got uh, purchased up by TeleDoc. So. He is leaving his fingerprint and footprint on a lot of amazing innovative companies across the ecosystem of healthcare. This collaboration could, intended to make it easier for for millions of employees and the families of self-insured employers like Walmart to access this care. The deal actually allows employers, not just Walmart employers, to leverage the behemoth size of Walmart to scale and allow access to their employees and convenient care options and uh, the Walmart EVP of health and wellness, a woman named Dr. Cheryl Pegas, she's also been around for a long time in this world of value-based payment and retail health. And she is leading up the charge. And I think her quote was something like healthcare is more than just about seeing the doctor. There's more than people need. And their mission is to provide human-centered care. And that, that partnership with TransCarent is meant to make that a reality.
2: There's so much movement going on right now in the market oriented towards employer-sponsored arrangements. You know, we were talking about Medicare arrangements earlier this year, and now there's just been this flurry of activity and announcements, Walmart and TransKaren being one of them, but really focusing on what's going on in the employer-sponsored world. And I think, for instance, another news headline that we saw more recently is that United Health is launching their virtual first health plan and, you know, they're jumping into the, the bandwagon when it comes to all things being virtual. So this plan design that they actually launched is called Navigate Now. And it was developed in collaboration with their sister company Optum, which we know Optum has a significant amount of different service offerings that they bring to the market every year. You know, I think this is representative of what we're seeing plans think about because shortly after United uh, launched this. Aetna and Cigna also announced their own set of virtual plans. So I think this is this is a trend we're seeing that there's a recognition that employers are really getting frustrated with the healthcare system. They want to have a more broad set of offerings to bring to their employees, and I think the response has been that health plans are coming up with new products and services, much like United Health, and bringing them to select employers to test and pilot and figure out you know, what they need to do to continue to improve that experience, and also just the different channels in which individuals and members need to be able to access care and have a more convenient experience. So I think the most important, you know, interesting thing to me is that with United launching this, I was almost expecting that that the premiums would be a little bit higher, but what United said is that their premiums are going to be 15% less than traditional plans probably likely because of the reimbursement that will be involved with the provider sector or their provider network. But it's a good step in the right direction. I think that we will probably see many plans kind of follow this lead and figure out what their own type of virtual plan looks like and how they bring it to a specific channel of their business, whether it's you know the Medicare channel or the employer-sponsored
1: channel. The definition of convenience has changed over the years. And I think you know post-pandemic or even just in pandemic aside, convenience used to be there is a opportunity for me to go see a doctor on this corner and it's closer to my home. And then we've evolved to, well, we can walk in whenever we want. And that, that is now table stakes. That is just healthcare now. Convenience means I am available to see a doctor virtually or physically 24-7, 365. I'm able to do so in a convenient way that it is touchless it is cashless. It is at my fingertips. And it just really, the, the race to figure out how to do that quickly, responsibly, and with high quality is, is on. And it's really exciting to see.
2: The other thing that, that United did that is perhaps different from Aetna and, and Cigna is that they are using Optum right, to also tap into behavioral health services. And we've talked a lot about that carve out between behavioral health and physical health. And how sometimes it just seems so nonsensical when the two really should go hand in hand. And so I think that is part of the differentiation in this virtual first health plan is that by partnering with Optum, it enables United to now pull in some of those behavioral health aspects that clearly have been gaps in some of these programs in previous, previous years when we've been discussing it. As always, Mindy and Ryan, we know the
0: only constant in the healthcare industry is change. So I can't wait to hear what news we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.